in-between series, and so next week we're actually beginning a new series of messages on the Sermon on the Mount. Today we're just going to be looking in Romans chapter 1, and we're going to look in verses 16 and 17 in just a, in, in just a little bit. But I'd like to start off by just getting you to, to sort of think about this or remember some times in your life when you've experienced being embarrassed before. Now, I'm, I'm sure that there are times in all of our lives whenever we've done something or, or we've had something happen to us that just sort of, that sort of humiliated us, embarrassed us. I'm not going to ask anybody to stand up and share those moments because that would be another embarrassing moment. But there was a story that I read in Reader's Digest that I thought it'd be kind of hard to, to top uh, this, this kind of embarrassment. There was a, a lady wrote an article, and she talked about when she was a kid back in the 1970s. She said her parents had one of those musical horns. Y'all remember those? You know, you push your horn, it plays a song. And she said her parents' horn had, 40, had the first verse of 48 different songs. And she said, I hated the horn. She said, it was embarrassing. Dad would honk the horn and it'd play some little song and everybody'd look at us. And said she'd just sort of slide down into her seat trying to hide from everybody. She said, but the problem with the horn was that when it would get cold, it would short out. And you wouldn't even be blowing the horn. It'd just start playing a song. And uh, she said, so she'd beg her parents to get rid of the horn. They'd never do it until they went to her aunt's funeral. And she said they went to the funeral, and it happened to be cold that day. And uh, after the funeral was over, the hearse is driving off. They get in the car, and she said, and the horn went off, and it began to play the song, We're in the Money. Now, uh, she said, after that, my parents did not have a problem getting, getting rid of the musical horn. Now, that's what I would call an embarrassing moment. Now, there's many moments like that, I'm sure, that we've had where we've been embarrassed before. But whenever it comes to matters of faith, I think that sometimes it's easy for us also to get embarrassed about our relationship with God. And that we're, sometimes it's easy to be fearful. We don't want people to think that we're strange or that we're weird. I even have those moments. Uh, there's times whenever I've shared with you all before that whenever I'm like on a plane or I happen to be somewhere and I'm, I'm interacting with somebody who does not know me, I always, for some reason, I dread the question, hey, what do you do for a living? And, uh, you know, for me, it's because I know it's a conversation killer. I'm a pastor. Well, it's nice meeting you. And they just kind of walk off. And so, you know, I kind of dread those things. Uh, there's times I remember when I'd, I'd be carrying my Bible somewhere, and I'm thinking, man, I hope people don't really see me carrying this thing around because then they're going to they're gonna think that I'm strange and they're going to think that, you know, that's a person that you don't want to talk to. Well, today in our passage of Scripture, what we're going to do is we're going to see that Paul talks about our faith, about our relationship with Jesus, and he says, and one thing that you should not be is you should not be embarrassed about your relationship with God. You shouldn't be embarrassed about it. And we're going to see some reasons why in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Now, a little bit of the background to what's going on here is Paul wrote this letter uh, to the Christians who were living in Rome. And he wrote in this letter, and as he was writing them this letter, one of the things that he was to share with them is when it comes to your faith, I need you to stand boldly and firmly for Jesus. Don't be embarrassed about your walk with God. Now you might say, well, why would they be embarrassed about their walk with God? Well, they're, they're living in Rome. And Rome is basically, it was, I mean, it's like the capital of the world. It was a very cosmopolitan place. It's where, you know, where the elite lived. And, and to say that you were a Christian was sort of unusual for those who were, who were Romans who were pagans. 
And it was unusual for them because their question would have been, well, why would you want to follow a guy who was a carpenter? That's Jesus. You know, why, why would you want to say that your God is a God who was put up on a tree and crucified? Why would anybody want to follow after a God like that? And so what happened is some of the Christians, they were, they were nervous about their faith and they were, they were embarrassed about their faith. And so Paul shared with them some reasons not to be embarrassed by your faith. And I think it still applies to us today. And so what, what do we see from our text today about why we shouldn't be embarrassed by our faith? Well, here's the very first reason I see in our text today. It's because it has God's power. Our faith, the gospel message, the good news of Jesus, carries with it power. If you look in verse 16, this is what Paul wrote. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Now the question is, why are there times in our lives when we feel embarrassed? You know, why are there times when we feel shamed? And, and I think that what happens is there are situations that can arise where we get embarrassed because we feel inferior. And unfortunately, that can also happen whenever it comes to our faith. If you're a person who's going to say, I am a follower of Jesus, I believe that the Bible is the Word of God, it is very easy for the world to look at that and to say, that is a very outdated view. Uh, you're a person who is behind the times. You're a person who is intellectually, so to speak, you are inferior. And then that's where the people that were Christians in Rome, that, that's where they were. That's what they were going through. Uh, the Christian faith, we believe in one God. You know, the Romans, they believed in many gods. And so for them, it was the more, the merrier. So if you were only worshiping one God, then it was like, man, you were, you were outdated. We got more than one God. We've got many gods. And so some of the Christians began to feel inadequate, and they began to be ashamed or embarrassed about their faith. And so Paul gave them a reminder about their faith. Now, what was the reminder? Well, he shared with them. He said, listen, you need to understand that your faith, that the gospel message of Jesus is powerful. Well, how so? Well, it's powerful because it has the God of Scripture as the root of our faith. The God of Scripture is the one who gives our faith power. Now, I know that today that is something that would, that, that would be sort of like a politically incorrect statement. It would be a statement that seems to be arrogant. But if we're going to hold to the Bible as being the Word of God, then it's important that we stand by what Scripture says. So you might say, well, then how powerful is the God of Scripture? Let me share with you how powerful the God of Scripture is. It begins in Genesis 1-1. You remember what Genesis 1-1 says? In the beginning, God, what did he do? If you don't know that verse, that's a good one to know. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Pretty impressive, isn't it? What do we say about the, what do we say about the God of our faith? Hey, the, the God of the Bible, he made everything. That's a pretty big statement. So, and Paul is saying that God that Genesis 1-1 talks about is the same God that we worship to this day. As a matter of fact, he says it is the power of the gospel. That word power, 
that is mentioned in verse number 16, it is where we get our word dynamite. So the message of Jesus, it's dynamic. The, the message of Jesus carries with it great power. What kind of power? The kind of power that gives us freedom over sin. The kind of power that enables us to be able to have eternal life. Now, I believe most people desire some sort of change in their lives. You know, we want, you want, we want better, a better house. We want better cars. By the way, when y'all drove in, did y'all see the red Mustang out there? God is calling me to have that. So, you know, so we want better cars. Thank you, Ricky. Uh, better cars. And there's some of us, we want better bodies. That's, that's why advertising, that's where it comes into play. It's why it's so important. In advertising, they, they sell stuff to us promoting that the product they have is going to make us better. Now, sometimes that's not true. Um, I've seen that product on TV that's advertised. You get this little, little thing. It's like you tape it on your abs and it shakes and it gives you six-pack abs. Now, I think most of us are figuring out it doesn't work that way. Uh, that's a product that doesn't work. Now, there's some products that do make us feel better. But whenever it comes to our inner desires, whenever it comes to the feelings of guilt that we have, those products cannot provide us with freedom. But the power of God can. Uh, Jeremiah 13.23 talks about our human nature. It says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Now I think this verse does a good job of showing us that when it comes to our nature, that in our own nature, that, that we can't change ourselves. Only God has the ability to bring about change. And, and that's a reason why we shouldn't be embarrassed about our faith. Because our God has power. Our God is the one who can transform and alter a person's life. And so there's no reason for us to be embarrassed by, about a faith that carries power like that. And yet, too many times we worry about what the world thinks, and we ignore the power of God, and we end up seeking things in our own power. And it's like we're jumping out of a plane without wearing a parachute. And we find ourselves in trouble. What does the power of Christ do? 2 Corinthians 5.17 It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It says, The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. And there's no reason for us to be embarrassed by our faith. Why not? Well, because it has power. It has God's power. Another reason not to be embarrassed by our faith is because of this. Because our faith brings salvation to all who believe. It brings salvation to all who believe. Verse number 16 again says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. And once again, what Paul's doing here is saying, Listen, you don't need to be embarrassed about your faith, because, because it has God's power, God's backing behind it. What does it do? Well, it says it brings salvation to everyone who believes. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the terminology to be saved. You know, you know, have you all heard that before? That is a person who, who has been saved. Or if you follow Jesus, you're a person who's been saved. Now, if you know that terminology, just bear with me. If you don't, then I want to give like a little refresher course here. Now, you can look at that. And some people, and as a matter of fact, yesterday I talked to a guy... And, and he talk, we talked about salvation, to be saved. Well, what do I need to be saved from? And what do I need to be rescued from? We need to be rescued, everybody here does, from sin. Now, you know what sin is? Sin is anything 
that breaks the leadership and the commands of God. Now, I think, I think most of us say, well, when I think of sin, I think of murder. I like to think of the sins that I've never committed. And I say, well, I'm good there. I've never killed anybody. Um, we think of sin, of, like a, of, a, of adultery. We think of murder. We think of stealing. Those, you know, those are the big ones. Now, we need to be saved from that. Now, the question is, well, who has sinned? Now, I look at some of the big ones, and I go, well, I haven't like, physically committed those. But the Bible says in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, so what does that mean? It means we all need to be saved. The problem is we've all messed up, so we're all in trouble. Y'all, everybody in this room right here, we're all in the same boat. We are all broken and messed up people. Now, here's the good news. God does something about that. We're told in Romans 5.6, While we were still helpless, at the right time... Christ died for the ungodly. So you see, whenever we celebrated Easter last week, the great thing about Easter is what Jesus did is he came and he gave himself as a sacrifice to pay for our sins that we might be able to be freed from the penalty of those sins. Now, while he did that for us, there's something that we have to do before that gift can be credited to our account. Now, what is it? That's where verse 16 comes into play. We are called to believe. We're told this in verse 16 again. It says, it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The word believe carries with it the idea of trusting in. It carries with it the idea of relying upon. Notice that verse 16 does not say this. It doesn't say it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who behaves. Now, I think that's sometimes how we define salvation. If I behave, then I'm all good. Here's the problem with our behavior. Did you know God is not interested in your behavior? He is interested in your faith, in your belief. Because as you rely upon him, then it changes your behavior. Your behavior and my behavior is never going to be enough to impress God and to pay for my sin or your sin. Y'all, we're just not that good. That's why we're told in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved, through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, not by what you do or I do, lest any man should boast. There's only one avenue through which we can receive salvation, and that's through Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You know what that means? It means you don't need to be embarrassed about your faith because Jesus is the answer to everything in life. He is the solution to everything. And why would we, why would we want to be embarrassed about something that solves or someone who solves all of our problems? You know, my, my, my behavior is not going to solve my problems. If I follow other religions, another God, it's not going to solve my problems because there's only one true God. Now I think sometimes we try to get around that and say, well, it really doesn't matter what you believe in or what God you believe in. In in the end, we're all going to end up being okay. And I think sometimes we say that because we're embarrassed. Because we're, we're afraid to say that there's only one God. But when we do that, what we're doing is we give people a false sense of security if we lessen the role of Jesus. There's a, uh, an old story, it's a true story, it's about a train that was 
uh, passenger train that ended up stalling on the tracks. And it wasn't, you know, that can happen sometimes, but what made it a little more pressing is that there was a freight train that was going to be using those same tracks within the next 10 minutes. And so that train's just sitting there. And people were worried, and the conductor said it's going to be okay, and he, had, he sent one of his men with a red flag to wave down the oncoming freight train. Well, as the freight train came, there's a guy out there, and he's waving the flag, but that freight train did not stop. It slowed down, but it kept going, and it slammed into the train and killed quite a number of people on the passenger train. They interviewed the conductor of the freight train and said, why didn't you stop? He said, well, I didn't stop because there was a man out there waving a yellow flag. He said, I thought it was a caution flag, and I was just simply to slow down. And the man who was waving the flag said, no, it was a red flag. Well, they went and they did an investigation. When they pulled up the flag, the flag used to be red, but because it had been left out in the sun for so long, it sort of turned into like this dirty yellow. And it wasn't all that clear. There was a pastor during that day. His name was Harry Ironside, and and he wrote about this. He said, all the lives that are eternally wrecked by the yellow gospels that we are hearing today, the bloodless theories of unregenerate men that send their hearers to their doom instead of stopping them on their downward road. Guys, don't try to fool yourself into thinking something different. There's only one way to be made right with God. And it's only through Jesus. And that is nothing for us to be ashamed of. It is something for us instead to proclaim. And so that's why I want to encourage you today to, to think about that. And then to think, how am I encouraging other people, pointing them to the answer of life? How how are you doing in in, in sharing with people the good news of Jesus? Now, I'm not talking about running up in front of somebody and attacking them with the Bible. I'm just talking about with your friends. Does it ever come up in your conversation about who Jesus is? I mean, people that you love and care about, that should. If it hasn't, don't be afraid to tell somebody how Jesus has blessed your life. For For people that you work with, that you go to school with, My encouragement for you is to begin to pray for them and to pray that God would touch their hearts, that they would have a desire to know who God is. My my encouragement for you is to begin to pray that God will provide you opportunities to reach out to your friends, to invite them to hear the good news of Christ in your church, whatever it might be. Because we, we we have a role to play. And it's not to be embarrassed about our faith, but instead it is to be grateful for it. See, there's some reasons we shouldn't be embarrassed about our faith. It's for one, it has God's power. Two, it brings salvation. That's good stuff. But this is the last reason not to be embarrassed about our faith. It's because it reveals a righteousness by faith. Verse 17, the last verse I'll read. It says, For in it God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You know, something really unbelievable happens whenever we follow after Jesus. And we are told that whenever we follow Jesus, when we trust Him and trust our lives to Him, the Bible says that God will make us righteous. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? I am righteous. But what does that mean? You know, what what does it mean to be righteous? Real simple. It means that you have been made right with God. You've been made right with Him. Now, I like that. I like that because it is, not, it is not dependent upon me by my behavior, by what I do, 
to make myself right with God. Because I can't do it. Have you ever tried to do everything perfectly before? I have like once or twice. Now what I've noticed is when I try really hard to do really good all the time, eventually I screw up. Eventually I just sort of run out of gas. I can have the best intentions in the world, but eventually I end up getting frustrated. I end up saying something I shouldn't have said, and I end up feeling defeated. But God says, when you trust me, he says, what I'll do is I will take over and I will be the one who will make you righteous. I will be the one who will make you, be, be able to make you right. Because I can't do it on my own. Uh, near the edge of the Arabian Desert, there was a, a really small fortress that was used by a man named Thomas Lawrence. He was also known as Lawrence of Arabia. And Lawrence of Arabia, he was an Englishman, but he was a good friend with many of the Bedouins, the Arabs, and, and he sort of became he's like a military leader for them. And whenever they would go on raids, they'd go out, and then they would, they would retreat back to this fortress. Now, what made the fortress such a great place is that it wasn't, it wasn't a beautiful place, but inside the fortress it had plenty of water, it had plenty of provisions. And sometimes whenever an attacking force would come at them, they would retreat back into this little fortress, and, and, and the armies, the other armies would surround it. But because they're in the desert, what would eventually happen is those armies, they would succumb to the elements. They wouldn't have enough water. Eventually, they'd run out of food, and then they would leave. But, but Lawrence of Arabia and his men were able, were able to survive because that fortress had plenty of provisions. All they had to do was go inside the fort to be protected. And guys, in a very similar sense... That's what it's like when we come into a relationship with God. See, God has plenty of provisions for you and for me in this life. And whenever we come under attack, all we have to do is allow ourselves to be carried into the fortress that Christ provides in order to be able to survive, to withstand what the world throws at us. But that's only going to be found in Jesus now, right there, those are some good reasons that we, we don't need to be embarrassed about our faith. It, you see, our faith, it has the power of God behind it. Our, our faith brings salvation. And then the last thing that I see is that our faith reveals a righteousness by faith. Now, let me close with this. Are you embarrassed, are you embarrassed about your faith? And I'm not necessarily talking about being, you know, that you're, you're, you find it shameful. I just mean... Do you get a little bit nervous whenever, whenever you talk to somebody and they find out that you're a believer? And you might say, well, I don't think I'm really that embarrassed. Well, if you're not embarrassed about your faith, do you have a problem? Do you get embarrassed when you, when you even share it? Because, you see, my, my hope is that, that you won't be. And that you and I, we will be willing to stand boldly and talk boldly about who our God is and what our God is has done. You see, in this life, you're, you're, not performing, you're not performing for your mom and dad. You're not performing for your husband or your wife or for your children. You are living for God. And all he asks of you is that you trust him. Now, is it easy to trust? It's not always easy to trust. But let me tell you something. When you trust God, you are trusting the God who is the God of Genesis 1-1. The God who created the heavens and the earth. And there is not anyone who is better to trust than him.